Welcome to the International Collective of Female Cinematographers podcast, where every week we will be talking to a different cinematographer and listening through their stories as they navigate the filmmaking world, sharing secrets and experiences to empower our community. The ICFC is a collective of professional female cinematographers from around the world who provide each other with community support and industry advocacy. We are your hosts, Emilia and Akina. Today, we're so excited to welcome Maricela Mendez. We'll be discussing the uphill battle of a career in cinematography, interviewing for projects, dealing with rejection, and how we measure success. Welcome, Maricela. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Emmy. Okay, so let's start um, right off the bat with the question we ask everyone. How did you start out as a filmmaker and how did you become a DP? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I I started out as a still photographer. That's what I studied in college. And I, I guess basically I was craving an environment that was more collaborative because <laughs> I was, you know, by myself shooting stills or in a studio doing portraits. And it just kind of felt very isolating. So I was just really craving collaboration and just a, a larger, like a bigger environment to work in. And so that's what kind of sparked the interest uh, to see what cinematography was about because I had always loved movies and kind of explored that transition and eventually uh, decided to go in that direction. Cool. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the process of going from still photography to filmmaking and what you brought in from the still world that into the cinematography world. And like, I mean, besides the obvious, you know, like I learned how to compose stills, right? But like, <laughs> I feel like from the still world, I guess in, in college, I studied a lot of fine art and still photography as well. So I feel like it's just this background in like, you know, color and composition and contrast. And I feel like that kind of translates a lot into what we do as DPs. It's really, I think it's a pretty solid foundation. It's a lot more complex <laughs> being a cinematographer. There's just a lot, so much more to it. And, but I do feel like it provided like a really good foundation into, into filmmaking, even though it's a completely different wild, wild world. <laughs> when you transitioned from a photographer, what was your first job that kind of pivoted to being a cinematographer? Like, did you start out, you started out in Genie or you were like, oh, I'll just start shooting things? In still photography, I, I was living, I grew up, I was born and raised in Texas. And so the, uh, there's just less work out there. There's just less opportunities mm -hmm. you know, back when I was living over there. So it was just kind of picking up jobs wherever I could in the stills world. And the first jobs that I got, uh, I got really lucky. <laughs> Actually, I was interning with the Texas Film Commission at the time and Kat Candler was making a feature film and she had stopped by the office when I was interning and she was looking for people to crew on the, sh the feature she was shooting that summer. And I believe they originally asked me to work in art department and I had zero interest and told her that I wanted to work in camera and they needed a loader. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about, I mean, I, I thought I did uh, because I was like, my approach was like, yeah, I've loaded four by five sheet film and I've loaded 120 and I've processed and I'm like, yeah, I can load film. Like that was my response. <laughs> and, and I, I didn't honestly didn't know a lot. Uh, and they just really needed somebody. <laughs> and I, I 
got the job. And I think like one or two nights before they started filming, this is the movie was called Jumping Off Bridges. Um, I think it premiered at South by Southwest. It's it's a really wonderful film shot on uh, 16. And like two nights before we started filming, the, the DP taught me how to load film <laughs> into a 16 millimeter mag. And then that was kind of off to the races. So uh, I definitely trial by fire. <laughs> so I started a little bit in the camera department, AC, and then kind of realized you didn't like working as a camera assistant. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then eventually kind of transitioned into the lighting side, mostly because I found the lighting side to be really intimidating. I didn't understand a lot of it. I couldn't remember the names of anything. You know, if I'm working as a camera assistant, I have a job to do. Like I have to be focusing on camera and my eye was like, oh, what's that gel they're putting on the light or what's that light, you know, and it was hard to kind of keep track of everything. And I would try to take notes and be friends with the gaffer and, you know, ask all the questions, but I just, it was just hard splitting my time. So I eventually decided to join the lighting side um, just because I needed to get my hands dirty and I learned best by doing. And this was like probably 10 years ago <laughs> that I was able to join the lighting union here in Los Angeles. And it's, it's been such a rewarding experience. It's, it's really hard working in the lighting department. Mm -hmm. um, I will definitely say that there's a lot of really heavy things and, uh, you know, it's mostly male dominated, like a lot of the departments that we do work in, but just being able to be there and to watch, you know, some of your heroes do the work and listen to those conversations has been such a gift. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I guess my, my true start is really more on the lighting side because that's where I just had access to bigger projects and more things and just really kind of diving in and, and really learning from the ground up as an electrician. So from the lighting side and from still photography, I guess, like what's the moment that you decide to really just go and 100% be a DP? What does that transition look like for you? Or what did it look like for you? I mean, the goal of being a DP was always there. Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, when I graduated college, that's what I wanted to do. But for whatever reason, it, I wasn't able to get those jobs immediately and just say, like, I'm a DP. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing. So it's been a slow transition. <laughs> um, I think, to be really honest, the Me Too movement has really... Uh, helped in ways to kind of shed light on, you know, the disparity and the gender gap and, and all those things being pushed to like, you know, hire women and elevate women and things of that nature. And so, you know, prior to that, it was just hard getting jobs in general. But I think making the leap is kind of scary. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's scary. It's not, it's not a, a, a safe decision sometimes it doesn't feel that way but you kind of just have to do it and 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 have to you know i guess believe that things are going to work out and so it's just kind of i don't know making that decision to kind of make that, that leap even if it does seem scary it, i think it's like with anything when you're kind of either reclassifying in whatever union you're in you know it's always feels like taking a step back in certain ways in order to take a step forward. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like I'm still transitioning now because last year I was able to finally get into the camera union. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of 
the sort of like the beginning of the end for me for lighting. And so I'm still technically in the lighting union, but I'm using this year to kind of like officially, officially transition out. But yeah, it's a, it feels great. It's a step forward, but I don't know. I just feel like I have to keep pushing. It doesn't feel as safe as working in lighting because there's just more jobs available. You hire more people generally, Mm -hmm. you know, you go from a job where you need 10 to 20 electricians and then you want to be a DP and guess what? They're only going to hire one. So it just feels, it's just a much bigger risk basically. And you just have to do it. Uh, I don't know how how else to say it, but yeah. (laughs) Did that answer the question? Yeah. 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 I I wonder if it's um, difficult from like a networking perspective also, like, do you still have producers that are like, oh, I need an SLT, like, or, you know, I need a gaffer and now you're not. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should have said that. So, okay. (laughs) The working in the camera department as a DP has always been a part of like the path for me. And so it's too kind of different networks that you're dealing with. You have certain folks who know you as an electrician, as a gaffer, um, as a best boy, or sorry, assistant chief lighting technician. <laughs> um, and then you have a, and then you have other people who are like, oh yeah, she's a DP. And so what I, I got to a point to where like I was getting a lot of phone calls to work as a gaffer or in the lighting department. And at that time, you know, the desire is to really just be a DP. And so I had to kind of dial that down. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of made the decision at one point that, you know, this is going to be the last year that I'm gaffing. And no matter what comes my way, you know, I have to just politely say no. And it was like, yeah, just basically saying no to those jobs and making room for the work that I actually, you know, wanted to be doing And it's not easy because, you know, everyone's got bills to pay Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're kind of closing one door and opening another one at the same time. And it's just like a balance of like how and when do you do that? And so Mm -hmm. it took, you know, I mean, I would say like a couple of years to kind of kind of make that transition fully. And there are. Yeah, I, I would feel like it's it's a few years to kind of transition out of one into another and then just kind of it's always like starting over a little bit. So, yeah. What is a piece of advice you wish you had when you were starting out? Hmm. I feel like this is a very common question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone says, you know, save your money and do all this stuff. I feel like I think saying no is something that is very powerful. Uh, I think it gives you a lot of peace of mind and freedom to do, you know, the work that you want to be doing for the, you know, say no to projects that maybe don't fit your goals or what you want to be working to towards. But, you know, you get to a certain point in your career where you can pick and choose and decide the kind of projects, what you want to do and what kind of, you know, starting to build, you know, in a sense, like legacy is a very big word, but I feel like you're kind of in a way creating your legacy with like each project. And so it's, it's okay to say no sometimes. And I think it's just creating opportunities for the types of projects that you actually want to be working on. Um, and save your money, (laughs) save your money, everybody. Uh, I think community is also extremely important to me. I just feel like, you know, as a DP, like, I mean, for the most part, you're kind of the only DP on most sets that you work on. And so I feel like having strong friendships and relationships with other DPs who have shared experiences, you know, just people to kind of lean on and grow with and like, 
you know, go do lens tests or go watch a movie. And just, I just feel like community has been really important in the last few years. And I guess it also kind of like goes back to that initial idea of like feeling isolated as a still photographer. And mm-hmm. kind of in certain ways, you do feel like you're on a little island. But I feel like having friends who understand the job and like the industry that we work in has also been really important to have the right people to support you and to uplift you. Speaking of community, um, you've, according to your bio and also by talking to you before, um, (laughs) and also because we belong to some of the same organizations, um, I know you're heavily involved in um, a lot of organizations that have a Latino community bent, let's put it that way. Uh, What has uh, made you join those organizations and become an active participant in that community? What drives you with that? What drives me is, I don't know how to answer this because I just want to hang out with cool people who have shared experiences. (laughs) That's a Um, great answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that's what it is. You know, it's just really finding community. And I think, you know, as someone who grew up here in the U.S., but who, you know, is Latina, like, I feel like I just want to know the other Latinas out there, or the other, sorry, Latinx folks, and everybody male and female. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I just feel like I want to know who's doing the cool stuff. You know, like, I would love to see more projects about Latinos made by Latinos and not just, you know, projects made by non-Latinx folks, but with, like, a Latinx cast. Like, to me, that doesn't, that is not enough. And so, you know, in order to be a part of that, I have to know the next generation of people who are making mm-hmm. these projects. And so I just want to be a part of all these networks to kind of meet these people so that when the time comes and when I have, you know, the experience um, and I've met the right people, like, we're ready to go. And I have those relationships and I can be, a, you know, at least considered for those projects. So I think that's, you know, I guess why I'm a part of the groups. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In that same vein, I know that you're a part of the, I think it's, you mentioned the Lali mentorship program. Is that what it, you mentioned it though. Oh, uh what did I mention? So I've, I mean, I've been in a, I've been, I feel like I've been in all the fellowships. Uh, <laughs> the current one that I'm in right now is, ah, so there's like, there's two programs that I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. There's one that I'm in as a fellow and there's one that I'm in as a mentor. Hmm. Um, and so the project that I'm in right now as a fellow, as a participant is, uh, it's called Reframe Rise and that's through Women in Film and Sundance and Netflix. And I cannot say enough good things about women in film. I feel like this organization is doing so much work to support women um, and to really, truly, truly get behind them and support our work and really uplift our careers. And this program specifically is great because it's designed for mid-career directors and now DPs. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a two-year program. And I don't know other programs that are this extensive. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's nice because it's not just for like the new kids just out of film school. It's just really, truly designed for those mid-career folks to really uplift us and to get us to the next career, the next level in our career with whatever that means for us individually. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 
I think we're approaching about the one year mark. So it's it's been a really wonderful process so far. So I'm excited to see what the next year brings us. Um, the other program, I think this is the one I mentioned yeah. to you. Um, so the other one <laughs> is part of the Youth Cinema Project, which is a uh, part of La Leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one I'm participating in as a mentor and it's a program. So the Youth Cinema Project uh, basically teaches kids filmmaking, and I believe it's from elementary school all the way up to high school. And a lot of it is in, in underrepresented communities um, or kids at risk. And so with this one, I'm really excited because they're pairing us with high school kids who are applying to college. And so they've gotten various grants and funding to give these kids money to shoulder short films. And then I'm paired with the, uh, the has like the camera mentor and the DP mentor. So mm-hmm. there's kids who are want to do that track. And so we get to mentor them as they shoot a short film and then they can use that, which premieres at La Leaf later this year. And then use that as part of their college like admissions application. So just really exciting to kind of get back and share the knowledge. And there's a lot of really great mentors involved in this program. So I'm just excited to be a part of it. How do you balance being both a fellow and a mentor? Because I think, I don't know about you, because sometimes I'm like, when someone asks me to mentor them, or even when I teach, I'm like, I'm still learning. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you oh want me gosh. to teach you? Uh, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I also, uh, I understand. Yes, 100%. Um, I and figuring that out. (laughs) I think as a fellow, it's a little bit more like, you know, career focused and just other things that it involves. And Mm -hmm. as a mentor, I haven't like formally mentored a lot of people yet. So I'm Mm -hmm. still kind of figuring out. I I think it's just going to be like, you know, what does this person need the most? Like, how can I help them get over whatever hurdle they're dealing with? And then, you know, probably brushing up on a few things (laughs) to make sure that I can just effectively communicate a lot of the scarier stuff, like the technical things that sometimes just feel can be overwhelming on top of just dealing with politics and personalities. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would, I'll just tailor it to whatever this person needs in that moment. But yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I actually just to compound on that, um, how important it is, do you think, to like, you know, for DPs who are just starting out to kind of join some of these fellowships and these opportunities, like you're a Project Involve alum, right? And like ASC mentorships, like all that kind of stuff. Like how has that (laughs) participated or like contributed to your network and your career in general? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think fellowships are are super important. Um, I think, you know, there's not a lot that are really designed for below the line talent, which kind of, which makes it hard sometimes. But I do find that you do get paired with a mentor in one of these fellowships. Like hopefully it's someone that is, you know, helpful and like not too busy and has, and just kind of remembers what it's like, (laughs) you know, being in that like emerging space because it's a very different existence when you're primarily in like the indie space versus you've been like working on giant shows for 30 years but I feel like it it's been helpful you know some more than others but I feel like in the grander scheme it still kind of builds on that community because even if you do get paired with a mentor like 
Mm-hmm. Maybe you meet a group of filmmakers that can potentially be collaborators, like maybe not now, but maybe a few years from now. And there's one program in particular that I got to be a part of that uh, it's for the Hola Mexico Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I love this program because it's <laughs> it's weird to say this, but it's not designed, I don't think, for below the line folks. Um, mm-hmm. But they always let a DP in every year. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of a perfect place to be because I want to be the only DP in a room full of up and coming writers, directors and producers. And yeah. so I still think there's value to that you know same thing with like there's another program that women in film has where there was like maybe one other dp that was more of like a hybrid director dp but i was literally the only dp in the room and everyone else was the same thing like writer director producer and mm-hmm. and i knew it's like all of the workshops and programs are really a little more meant for the other folks but just being in the room and having access to these people is just really part of like planting seeds and networking, you know, for the future. Need to hire a cinematographer? Well, look no further than the ICFC's member online database. We boast over 300 highly qualified cinematographers for all your filmmaking needs. Visit our site now and find your next superstar collaborator at icfcfilm.com. Yeah, so let's talk about networking. Let's talk about your networking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> um, oh boy. Uh where do you want to start? I have no idea. <laughs> how about um, how about just um how do you approach networking, you know, especially since you you we talked about how you're transitioning, you know, mm-hmm. and like when you introduce yourself, you know, like how how far do you like do you go to a lot of events? Do you go to, do you try to meet people? You know, like what, what's the approach? I think that's really hard for a lot of DPs, you know, it's like sometimes a lot of times yeah. the DPs are in rooms with mm-hmm. other people, which yeah. kind of makes uh-huh. networking like less useful maybe in some ways. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so that, gosh, that could be a topic that I feel like we could talk about all day long and networking is, not something that, that I personally enjoy. <laughs> I just want to be at home with my cat and hanging out. I'm an introvert and it's just, I don't feel like I, I thrive in those kinds of things, but it's mm-hmm. definitely, you, you, you have to do it. It sucks, but you know, you mm-hmm. kind of just have to get out there. And so, you know, you, you are right, Akina, like there are, there's definitely, you know, mixers and stuff designed for DPs, which is great. Like it's educational and amazing, but also kind of weird and competitive and mm-hmm. like I do want to be needing other DPs like 100% but I just personally feel like I don't necessarily thrive in those kinds of environments mm-hmm. or feel comfortable to be super super honest well, it could be very quickly be a competition right like yeah. a one up like one it's, up and one up yeah 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 it's just uh, well I can't say what I want to say but it's um, a competition, <laughs> uh, which I just, again, I do not feel like I thrive in that sort of an environment. And so I feel like I do, gosh, I have to force myself to go out and to go into these spaces. So, you know, I'll go to, again, mixers where like 
I'll probably be the only DP in the room or one of a few. Or if I see like another DP, I'll immediately want to go chat them up and say hi and then kind of try to look for like those other folks. But I feel like it's a it's a slow burn sometimes. Like you mm-hmm. can meet people, but you can't really force things, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like it's a balance of, you know, meeting folks and kind of letting them know you exist and you're around and your work is great. Mm-hmm. But also like, I don't know, trying to not be annoying at the same time and trying mm. to be casual about it. Um, yeah. I'm desperate. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I go to events. I'll try to go to like, if I have a project screening and I'm not working, like I, I'm there, I will definitely go. It's a great place to start. It's a safe place to start, I think, because you have mm-hmm. something to talk about. So you don't feel awkward yeah. and uncomfortable. And usually the people that you've worked with are there. So that's like a soft landing too. I feel like that's a great place to start out if if you're feeling kind of nervous mm-hmm. about something like that. I think also just going to film festivals in general is, mm. especially the larger ones, is kind of a game changer. I had the opportunity to go to Sundance this year for the first time, and it was like a whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just kind of opens up your network, mm. the circles that I normally travel in. And I feel like, and that was also in part due to Women in Film and Reframe Rise uh, actually taking us as a part of the fellowship. And mm-hmm. so I think that just kind of, opens up the world a little bit for you like professionally and I feel like it's, it's super important but if you do have the opportunity to go to any kind of festival I feel mm-hmm. like there's still value in that you know aside from like fellowships and you know mixers all that stuff is really great I would even say like you know I have a friend who's trying to invite me to some writing mixers and I'm like yeah this makes sense because writers especially in television are actually producers and so yes. I kind of want to keep cat like I didn't have, I had Twitter and then I got off of it for whatever political personal reasons. And, <laughs> but at the time it's like, well, why is a DP going to be on Twitter? Like I should be on Instagram. Well, I'm on both because mm-hmm. I kind of want to keep track of all these writers because I want to know what they're working on when they have projects. And I want to be there from the beginning and start to kind of have these sort of relationships with them, or at least be like in the know. And it's just a And so something like if there's a writer's group meeting that's Mm. like a cocktail networking thing, like, hell yeah, I'd go because that's where everything starts. Oh, yeah. I was I I had the privilege of being the only DP in a in a a party for all screenwriters. A screenwriter friend invited me and uh, just being the odd one out was actually kind of really great for networking. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that not always what I look for, but that's mm-hmm. like a priority for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, I'm, if I'm going out, I'm like, cool, cool. How can I be, you know, one of the few in the room? Because mm-hmm. um, then you just become like this kind of shiny, shiny toy a little bit. Not a toy. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you just, you know, it, that's horrible. I did not say that. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, no, but it, it's, um, I think it's just, I don't know. I I feel like there's only so much, you know, your friends can, it's like if your cinematography network, like there's only so many jobs, they're going to be able to kind of potentially throw your way. But Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're the only one meeting the people doing the hiring, that's where I want to be. Yeah. It's a really good perspective on that. Absolutely. Do you have like any strategy, any like strategy, any secret sauce you do when you go out network? Secret sauce. Oh, God. Oh, hang on. Secret sauce. 
Um, I don't really have a secret sauce. I just I try to have my little digital business card and mm-hmm. if someone introduces me to someone and they seem pretty cool and you know you just kind of never know like I'll usually try to follow them on some of the social medias and then you know maybe look up some other work and send a follow-up email and mm-hmm. go for a coffee potentially depending on like how busy what's going on actual work-wise but I feel like somehow staying connected is a good thing and going I think coffee is pretty simple and very affordable <laughs> versus yeah. like dinner lunch or drinks and it's just a simple way to kind of connect in person so not the most original <laughs> but I do feel like it's effective yeah. oh you know what else I think is important so something that I've started doing is if I get the interview for something or there's mm-hmm. like the possibility of an interview mm-hmm. I'll take the interview 100 mm-hmm. because it's still even if I'm not 100% about the project, like not thrilled, or maybe like I figure out, I decide that it's not the best thing for me, or it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense for whatever reason, I still feel like I, it's still like a good opportunity to kind of, they're in your network, but to kind of get to know them a little bit more. And you still have that creative conversation because that can lead to something down the road again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also been times where I've interviewed, didn't get the job, but I still really liked that director or that producer. Mm-hmm. And I still felt like I connected with them. And so like, if I know if they're going into production, like that's not the right time to be like, let's go for a coffee. But what I'll do is I already know when they're shooting because they already told me their dates. Mm-hmm. And so I'll like give them like a month after that. And then I'll be mm-hmm. like, Hey, I would love to grab a coffee and hear how the shoot went you know, when's the screening, mm. da, 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 da. And so if I feel like I still am really interested in collaborating with someone, even though I didn't get the job, mm-hmm. I'll still try to maintain that relationship just because you never know. Like yeah. maybe that job wasn't, I wasn't the right person for that job, but maybe the next one could be. Mm-hmm. So trying to kind of attack from from all the angles, but also from like coming from a genuine place. I'm not just mm-hmm. like this crazy EP predator trying to get all the jobs. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I feel like that's been something that's actually been kind of nice because it just happens organically. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's do it. Like, I really like you and your work. And even though I didn't get picked, like, it's okay. There, there's mm-hmm. going to be other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also taken a while to kind of let that sink in. It's like, oh, God, I didn't get the job. Like, I'm terrible. I'm never going to work again or you know, whatever, what am I doing mm. wrong? And it's like, it's fine. Like, it's just not meant for me. And that's okay. Cause it's meant for someone else. And if they had a stronger connection with like another DP's vision, that's the person who should get the job. Can't take that personally. So, but yeah, that's something, I don't know if anyone's mentioned that, but I've been really excited about that tactic. You know, well, uh, we like, actually have never talked about um, on the podcast so far, actually. Um, oh, okay. What rejection? Is- Great. <laughs> no, <not> rejection. <laughs> um, yeah. What is your interview prep like? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, interview prep. Yeah. So it kind of de- <laughs> it depends because sometimes uh, I won't get a script and they just want to like meet with me about general things and so there's not a lot of prep involved with that like i'll just kind of research who's going to be in the room Mm -hmm. i'll you know try to see some of their work if i don't have time to watch like an entire movie i might watch a trailer or like a part of their reel at least like have a sense of who i'm going to be talking to Mm -hmm. 
and what their experience is and like maybe what their taste is. Uh, when I'm actually prepping something, when I've gotten a script, well, I'm always hitting up Shot Deck for sure. Yeah. Uh, Shot yeah. Deck has been such a game changer yeah. the last few years um, just because it's just so hard to source images for that yeah. easily. And, you know, yeah. but I always have at least a few things to share sometimes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll usually, I'll try to share something if I feel like it, it makes sense to share at that time, but it's usually about getting to kind of researching who I'm going to be meeting with, trying to know the material, having a sense of what I would do with it. And then, you know, figuring out logistics, I don't know, kind of basic. Sometimes I'll do like a full deck if I have time. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like a handful of images, but I feel like I have to feel like it's a safe space to actually present those images because yeah. like what I was thinking about is kind of different from what they were thinking, but I still think it like makes sense and it can be like adaptable or mm-hmm. I can kind of shift gears because maybe I interpreted something <laughs> different. Mm. Uh, which happens. What I would do in that case, like if I feel like the director has a a super strong vision and mine doesn't quite line up, but it's like close, I might not show them the images that I picked because they might be a little bit of like a departure. Mm -hmm. But what I would do is regardless, I always like follow up with an email the next day saying, thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Even if I like did or did not like them, I will still follow up with an email yeah. <laughs> saying thank you for the opportunity. And then at that point, I might like shift what my approach was visually that still makes sense to me, but also incorporate some of the elements that they liked. So it's a little bit of like, you know, a push and a pull. And I usually just kind of start by saying like, this is a springboard. Like I'm not married to any of this, but this is mm-hmm. sort of what I'm thinking for these moments or for, you know, this aspect of whatever we're doing. Is there a project that you've um, shot that is that you feel particularly connected to, uh, like the script spoke to you or like the final product was something that really just you carry with you, I guess. That's really special to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a project that I shot last year that I feel like it's some of my strongest work and I'm I'm just really excited about it. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of simple in the approach, but I feel like you know what we intended to do like photographically just really supports like truly truly supports the story and it definitely was challenging and I'm just I'm excited for it to come out <laughs> for it to come out it's kind of tried to start the festival journey but that's a very hard journey I will say mm-hmm. uh, to go on to but I'm excited for it to find a home it's a short film that uh, I got to do with Kamisha Wooten and it was part of like a short film lab that I think was it's through Google and Women in Film. Mm-hmm. And we did that last year and we just had some just really incredible people come on board and people supporting the project. It's called Choices and it just is very timely in terms of like women's reproductive health. And so and it involves like people of color and I just I don't know. I'm really excited. I think it's some of my best work. And so I'm excited to see it. And it's done some good things. It's starting to do really good things for my director. So I'm super happy. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like a lot of elements really came together to make it sing. And I'm just really excited to see where it takes us. Is there any project that 
um, at the interview stage, like you got the script and you were just like, I need to shoot this. Like this, this is something I feel really strongly about. I really connect to. And how did that inform the way you interviewed or pitched for the project or tried to get that job, I guess? I mean, I tried to approach each interview the same, regardless of how much I want mm-hmm. the job or not. I mm-hmm. feel like my desire to work on something is not reflective of my performance. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it's more of mm-hmm. maybe there's a little more enthusiasm or I feel like it's also just connecting with the person you're talking to as well because you have to be able to like work for very long periods of time yeah. with this person. So it's, a, it's you know, a little bit of both. But I feel like, yeah, it's just for me personally, I don't think it reflects how much I put into the interview. I might have like more ideas or maybe it's like a full-on deck or something if I have the time but I feel like it's probably just more in the I guess amount of inspiration or feeling it might just be like a stronger feeling of how I think something really should be done (laughs) Uh, so probably not the most collaborative spirit but I'm like no this is how we're gonna do it or no I don't do that Uh, but it's just like super excited to do like these elements Mm. but in terms of what I'm bringing into the interview, I don't think there's a difference most of the time. So let's put it out there. If you could shoot anything in the world, you know, if like a genie popped up right now and said like, Maricela, I'm giving you a choose to shoot anything. It can be a short, it can be like a narrative, a doc, a TV series, anything, anything, anything under the world, no, no limitations. What would it be and why? If I could shoot anything right now, it would be a 20 series episodic cool. <laughs> and it would be a project that is made by and produced and starring Latinos mm-hmm. and they would probably be fun enough. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I, I mean, I think that would be like the dream, you know, to really work on something that you connect with. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I say episodic television because it's, you know, uh, an area that I'm I really want to break into and it's mm-hmm. so so hard to get that first job as like shooting episodics but I'm always craving to work on things that like resonate with me deeply I think that's <laughs> that's the ideal version you know mm-hmm. to show your culture in a way that accurately reflects that and it's made by those people written by those people produced by those people yeah I feel like that's when you know, making something that is truly authentic, I feel is, is super important and a goal of mine for, you know, now, but especially like for the future. I mean, my heart really just wants to do <laughs> features, but I've done a couple of features. And so I feel like that'll, you know, come quicker than TV. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just want to kind of work in that space. I love sci-fi. I would love to do that. You know, some Latinos in space, let's go. Yes, <laughs> yes, Latinos in space. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just also having like the resources and I feel like we never have time, honestly, mm-hmm. but, you know, having the support and the manpower and the resources to really make something come to life and not have to struggle with like, can we afford, I mean, there's always a struggle of can we afford, but there's still the baseline of like, cool, cool, I need a crane or yeah, I need a balloon. Like, sure. Yeah, they can do that. It's television. <laughs> so, uh, those are things I don't have access to in the independent world. But um, yeah, I think it would just be 
a big, amazing sci-fi episodic made by and for Latinos. Well, you said it out there, so it's, you know, it's going to... I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that would be so cool. It doesn't have to be sci-fi, but sci-fis are expensive, so mm. yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> um, I'm glad you guys sound that funny. I am such a dork. Such a dork. Okay, go on. <laughs> no, dude, I'm, uh, uh, I'm all about the sci-fi, too, and uh, yeah, that would be my choice. Latinos in space, I mean... I'm, let's, I'm, go. <laughs> let's go i mean i'm a big star wars fan and like um ander was so good with diego luna and like mm-hmm. i've so not seen good. that yet but what? I need to catch up. yeah what? i know you i know need to i know watch it you need to watch it it's so good latinos in space hashtag latinos in space <laughs> we got a little pascal but you know it's a good start you guys we yeah need yeah more. Oh. we need more yeah, more yeah. more <laughs> B. Cindy is a woman in Latina-owned boutique camera rental house based in Los Angeles. They are passionate about the nuanced design that goes into visual storytelling and as such are committed to supporting filmmakers tell their stories with the best tools available. Plus, for busy cinematographer or camera crew parents, they also offer childcare services during prep. So when you're looking for camera rentals for your next project, check out their extensive repertoire of optics and cameras at www.bcine.com or write to rentals at bcine.com for general inquiries. Um, I'm just curious about you as a person, you know, like what's your work-life balance and like who are you outside of being a DP? <laughs> I mean, that's important. Uh, right? like, yeah, are, it is. You should be oh my goodness. just the sum of our parts and we are more than DPs. I feel like the work-life balance Sometimes, you know, it's just really hard to achieve sometimes, most of the time, because our jobs are all consuming. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've, (laughs) in the last few years, have successfully implemented boundaries, which has been such a game changer in terms of of being able to, like, at least carve out that time in the day for yourself and not, like, taking meetings at 9 o'clock at night, because that's when everybody can get together, you know, like, that's a that's a no right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so work-life balance. Who is Maricela Beatriz Mendez? <laughs> I think, I mean, work-life balance, it kind of depends. Like I, I love cooking. I love, mm. uh, during the pandemic, I started, I took like a couple classes on cooking with like traditional Mesoamerican ingredients and just wow. more about, yeah, they, they offered that um, in my hometown through like one of the cultural arts center, which was really cool. Mm. And so, you know, and I like took the time to kind of learn my grandma's tortilla recipe and oh. I just, yeah, it took a while because she <laughs> didn't, she thought she knew the measurements, but she did not. And so oh. when I went to like make the recipe, I was like, this yeah. is not, at the, like, this is not happening. So I had to like retweak. Anyways, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> no, so no, I love well, cooking. <laughs> well, that's recipes uh-huh. are usually like. Uh, un puñal, like a fistful of this and un, una pizca, a little pinch of this. And you're like, what the hell is you these measurements? Oh, my God. Yeah, no, she's been doing it for so long. And it's like she gave me the measurements and I'm like, no, this is <laughs> lost in translation. Like the woman does not measure anything. Yeah. But she tried yeah. to give me measurements and it was like not what she actually (laughs) so it took me like a month of like trying each day to like kind of tweak the recipe and i'm like no that's too much salt no that's too much lard you know Mm. oh that's not enough water like Mm. 
Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I like cooking. I love cooking for friends. I have a cat now who I really I love. His name is Chicle. He's the best ever. Oh my god, and that's super the cute. best name. <laughs> and I feel like I I feel so lucky to have an amazing group of friends, and they're really like my lifeline because I don't have family here in Los Angeles. Everybody, mm. for the most part, is back in Texas. Um, at least my like immediate family is there. And mm-hmm. so I spend, I make time to spend with my friends to just not be a DP, mm-hmm. <laughs> to just, you know, to just be myself. And sometimes I'll go to like museums or we'll go on like a little road trip. But yeah, we'll go on like a quick trip together, like on the weekend or do like little excursions or just like hang out and just drink coffee and just talk like just mm-hmm. you know be with each other and spend time and I don't know it's I my life's like pretty simple I don't like to complicate things I don't need a lot of things but mm-hmm. yeah I just I adore my friends and oh also self-care I love skincare <laughs> nice uh, I'm a sucker for like a good skincare routine so that kind of is just really relaxing I think it's kind of the same way I feel like when I'm cooking, mm-hmm. um, taking the time to find like good ingredients and the right stuff that works for like my skin, I don't know. <laughs> it just I, I find it exciting and relaxing, and um, yeah, that's about it. I don't know. <laughs> I do watch movies, but I feel like everybody would say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> a weird follow-up question: What is a skincare product you would recommend to get grip truck dirt <laughs> off your face? <laughs> To pivot the podcast. Rip. Oh boy. Grip <laughs> truck dirt girl, you need a scrub and you need to double cleanse. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Yeah. There's actually yeah, you probably need to scrub that off, girl. But like don't use sugar because that could probably <laughs> like cause like an acne breakout. But grip what if I use yeah, definitely like scrub. Scrub. hundred percent. Scrub. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> some kind well, of a good face scrub that was good for your skin, and then follow up with like a nice face mask. Oh my god, how do we? How are we talking about this? This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've thought about this because um, uh, my aunt owns a K Beauty website or cones it, and they sent me a bunch of products Ooh. one time. Which of these will take the grip truck dirt off my face? That's what I need to know. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, Scrub all the way. Scrub, Scrub, double cleanse. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, cool. yeah. I'm gonna pose my one last question. Um, what is your desert island lighting unit? Mm. You can only use one light. I'm on a desert island. Okay. How much power is there on this island? <laughs> Let's say <laughs> that there is power, <laughs> and you. We don't know what you're gonna make. You, you. I was first gonna say, well, obviously grip lighting because I'm on an island and there's no power. But uh, yeah, no. What uh, what electrical? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Agree. You only got one stinger or one cable, like no lunch. Like you can only power yeah, one unit. Don't worry about power. Don't worry about, about power. Power will happen for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So basically, like, what is my favorite unit? Um, yeah. Yeah. What's something that's usually always in your package? Always? You know, I I love Aliko, you guys. 
Alisa. Everybody loves Aliko. Everybody loves Aliko. Yeah, did, did everybody say that? Has everyone said that? Damn it. Yeah. Well, no, it's good. I mean, I think everyone, yeah, it just always comes I mean, back to Aliko. Aliko, it's so flexible. Like, yeah. and then you dim it down, and like the warm glow is so mm-hmm, nice, mm-hmm. especially if it's like the 750 incandescent. Like, yeah. It's just, and you could just do so much with it. You can like chop it, you can put the top head on, you can bounce it off a wall, you can like push it through something. You could do like gobo patterns. It's just, it's so universal. And oh, and then the iris. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like the <laughs> ultimate thing. Yeah. Um, it is unanimously the yeah. best. Yeah. Everyone's favorite light. Yeah. <laughs> <I agree>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just name another like? Because no. like everyone's gonna roll their eyes. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's a good answer. It's a I good mean, solid the, answer. Yeah, the LED like Liko is also pretty cool too because if you take the barrel off, then you can see all the diodes hmm. like on a wall, and it's like the individual like RGB diodes. And I've I've used that before to like light up a building in the background for this like weird futuristic thing i was doing and we just like blasted it without the barrel on like a building in the background Mm -hmm. and it was these weird circles and he didn't really know what it was but it kind of worked for what we were doing so that's also like an interesting choice if you don't have if power is like an issue (laughs) love what we've been focusing on in this interview what about the angle we've been taking have you found it illuminating help us power our community by going to icscfilm.com slash friends and making a donation today we're an all-volunteer group and your support will help us keep our website rolling our events lit and our podcast honey okay maybe the last one's free but we do need your help for everything else and don't forget to subscribe so let's go to our final question so it's a three-parter one what is your favorite movie to what is your comfort movie? Like the movie you will watch when you're like sick and drinking only tea and it's a rainy day and it just makes you feel really good. And then the third is like, what is a movie that has influenced your cinematography the most or influenced you as a cinematographer the most and why? Um, I adore the movie Amelie. Mm. Um, that movie came out right when I was like, kind of flirting with the idea of going into filmmaking mm-hmm. and it's just so like I'm a big fan of color like mm-hmm. that's a big part of of my work and just the way they infuse color in that movie is just truly incredible and also the camera work like aggressive is not the right word but it's it's so I just the way they they use like the big push-ins and, and like placement of lenses and and proximity to the cast like it's just so gorgeous with the movement it's just something that's always stuck with me and it's feel good and romantic like Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a win-win across the board yeah i it's one of my favorites like to to watch like as just a human (laughs) to Mm -hmm. experience and then also just like photographically it's it's one of my favorites of all time how, what is your comfort movie? Like the one that just makes you feel really good inside, all warm and fuzzy or just good? Like guilty pleasure movie. Um, guilty pleasure? I don't, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure. I mean, there's like a lot of guilty pleasures that have nothing to do with cinematography. Uh, I feel like something that's really nostalgic for me that I really, because I want to say 
like water for chocolate, but yeah, it's it's more of like a nostalgic choice. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like I kind of always go back to, and it's a part of my my childhood because I think it came out when I was like, I don't know, around ten and mm-hmm. 10 years old and my mom was like obsessed with this movie you know and um and i remember just watching it all the time with my mom whenever it came out on tv and it just feeling so beautiful and there's like a certain amount of like kind of a cheesy aspect to it a little bit but it just feels it just incorporates a lot of things that i love you know there's like the magical realism mm-hmm. there's cooking in it mm-hmm, <laughs> um mm-hmm. You know, it's just really fun and it kind of takes you like throughout the life journey of these people and it's like romantic and like you're kind of like, oh, everything goes up in flames at the end. And it just kind of gives me like everything I want to experience in a movie. And I just always really love watching it. I'll never tire of watching that movie. So, yeah. (laughs) No, that's a good answer. That's exactly yeah and then the last one what's influenced the most your cinematography the most or influenced you as a cinematographer the most like the movie or the cinematographer the movie the the movie Mm. like a movie that you still look back and like it's something that comes up in your pitch decks a lot or something that Mm. you your cinematography is just like a lot of your composition i don't know like or your color use something it influences you all the time yeah Oh, that's hard to say because I don't know the answer to that. Um, (laughs) I mean, I know there's like a DP that I like a bit of cuckoo bananas for like all the time, but it's not like not just one movie. I don't know. Um, Or what's the most recent one that you've been pulling from? Well, I mean, I feel like recently, I mean, my favorite movie in the last like year was you know everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. i think that is such like a powerhouse and in every aspect i think color wise it just i don't know it just really speaks to me i love the way they use color and, and all of that stuff but it's also like i mean i think it's everything it's not just like whatever in the lighting it's like lighting it's wardrobe it's production design Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like everything it's everywhere all at once. <laughs> yeah, everything. Yep. Yeah, it's all of it. It's always all of it. You know, has it influenced me, but necessarily because it's like just came out. But I feel like a movie like that just really stays with you. And I feel mm-hmm. like that'll be something that I'll continue to reference as I keep working on different projects. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Like, I feel like movies that come to mind are like In the Mood for Love that has like mm-hmm. a really rich palette. What else? It, yeah, I mean, that's something that I kind of always go back to, you know, the use of like the complementary colors with like the reds and the greens and it's, yeah. you know, and then like the hits of yellow in there. I don't know. I just, it's just so rich and beautiful. Ah, you know what else is actually really incredible that I just thought about? And this came out like probably what, 12 years ago? Mm-hmm. Maybe that. There's a movie called, I hang on. It's by Tarsem and Fall. I'm like blanking right now. The Fall, you guys. Mm. Please tell me you've seen this movie. Yeah. Like the, the Fall. Yeah. That, like, that is also an example of a movie that I would, like murder somebody to work on like no just kidding i'm not gonna murder anybody nobody's gonna die uh yeah no uh <laughs> i mean something like that is is the dream like truly because you're dealing with like complex 
compositions and symmetry and color and yeah. magical you know, realism. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. Like all of that. Yeah. One of my it's favorite like, of all time. Yeah. Yes. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's like water for chocolate, but kind of on steroids. Basically, mm-hmm. is is like what I want to be working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. And also people in space. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hashtag Latinos in space. <laughs> Hashtag Latinos. Yeah. Let 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 the next folks in space. space. Yes. <laughs> cool. Lots of giggles in there, you guys. We're giggling a lot. Yeah. No, no. Um, giggles good. Well, it's good. I mean, it's not so, like it's not we're not all just pretentious assholes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, honestly, when you guys asked about like, oh, what's your approach or how do you do this or how do you do that? I'm really still kind of, I mean, not still, but you just always kind of tweak as you go. You yeah. know, you adjust as you go. And yeah. I just feel like just in general, like being active and always working towards whatever goal you have, even if it's just like a little inch, you know, inch by inch, day by day, like is still mm-hmm. movement forward. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even if it's not like, oh gosh, I didn't interview this week for anything or I didn't book anything this mm-hmm. week, even if it means like I connected with a new person or like if I got to meet with coffee, take a coffee with somebody that I've been wanting to connect with, mm-hmm. to me, that is all still really valuable and a step in the right direction, especially when times are slow. So, but you know, you're still, I still feel like I'm always kind of modifying things and you know how can i do things better and just talking to friends and having conversations like well what do you do or did this Mm -hmm. work for you or hey i tried this thing you know so Mm -hmm. just kind of figuring it out as i go (laughs) is really how it is and i feel like there's you know this really big fear of failing and i I feel like a lot of us can kind of relate to that but and as someone who has failed a lot <laughs> in the past, you know, stumbling and you're figuring stuff out and not doing it right. And and then, but like failure is really the biggest teacher, you know, because you learn exactly yeah. like what not to do and it stays yeah. with you. And then now, you know, like going into this next thing, well, that's never going to happen again because I know how to do it better or, or how to do something correctly with whatever that means for that project. And so I feel like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is also part of, <laughs> I think, a sign of like growth, you know, when yeah. you're a little nervous going into something or if you feel like you're not, can I do this? Am I prepared? Like mm-hmm. if I'm a little, if I'm really nervous or a little nervous, I'm like, okay, that's kind of where I want to be. Like I never want to be complacent or comfortable. Like I always want to feel like I'm growing with each experience. Or full-blown panic. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it can't be like, cool, cool. I'm going to phone it in. Bye. Like, no shot list. Like, I didn't read the script. I'm just going to show up, you know. Uh, oh, God. But also, like, I I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, full-blown panic. <laughs> so, yeah. somewhere in between. Full-blown panic can also not come from just, like, lack of prep, you know? It's also, like, scaling up in the industry, right? It's yeah. like having experience and like saying like okay now i'm doing you know like a bigger stage show and like Mm -hmm. the first time is always like oh this is a learning curve and it's kind of there's this element of you know Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of people talk about this but there is an element of like fake it till you make it right like stay calm prep right and just 
you belong there. You belong in that (laughs) space and you can do it, right? And then that's how we scale up a lot of times, right? And I think that's, you know, in film school, you don't have access to everything, right? Like all the toys and the gadgets that you get to play with, you don't have all that. Yeah. So eventually... Yeah, I I I usually don't. Like I see when I get to work on other shows is like if I go out to work as an operator or something, I'm like, oh, dang, they get all the toys, like... Mm. I you know I haven't gotten to work with that or like ooh when am I going to get to do that but I feel like yeah I mean it's it's a little bit of going to be like a trial by fire kind of thing and yeah. like yeah. you said you know faking it faking it till you make it and then like yeah. okay cool cool I just did this great let's yeah. go let's <laughs> no I know how to do it um, <laughs> no I'm not faking it yeah. anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah not not faking it yeah <laughs> yeah I feel like I mean currently you guys and I don't know if if you're like or if you guys are experiencing this, but I feel like I'm at a place right now where I've done so many short films, and yes. yep. you know it's just like short after short, which I'm super grateful for because there's just like really great toy stories that you can tell. But I feel like you know I'm really trying to kind of break out of that like short mm-hmm. uh, indie world and really trying to move up into like features and obviously doing television someday and it's like yeah when when does that happen how does that happen you know so that's like personally right now in my career is now that I'm like working as a DP and that's like something I feel I can confidently say like I am Mm -hmm. a cinematographer because cut to like maybe like five plus years ago I'm like oh yeah I'm trying to be a DP you know it's like Mm -hmm. I'm really owning that now and like a lot more confident but it's just like how it's like how does that next level happen and so Mm -hmm. that's currently like that shift that I'm trying to make in in my career right now so that's kind of like the main focus I have Mm -hmm. you know for the rest of this year it's probably gonna take a few years because everything is just like a slow uphill climb I think in our business especially as women especially as women of color and so that's sort of this year what I'm focusing on and also commercials (laughs) (laughs) trying to uh, do some more commercial work because I think commercials are for the most part pandemic proof so I feel like just from a sustainability standpoint that's something that I'm going to be doing hopefully well working towards not hopefully I will Mm -hmm. be doing more commercial work this year to help hopefully have access to like more resources, more toys, more production mm-hmm. value, and just being who I meet in that space. So yeah, you guys so. didn't ask me that question. That was volunteered information. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything um, you want us to know or want to speak about that we didn't ask you about besides the volunteered information? <laughs> oh, I know, right? I mean, I feel like I got to keep it real. Like I'm not going to, I don't want to be you know, pretend or just be fake and be like, oh yeah, everything's amazing and I have everything I want. Like, no, mm-hmm. I want more. I've mm-hmm. got lots of goals. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm always going to be like trying to, you know, I've gotten to like a certain place, like right now where I am is what I wanted five years ago. So like, what mm-hmm. am I going to work towards for the next five years to kind of continue to move forward? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just really wish that there was less of a gender gap in our yeah. industry. You know, the amount of times that I, 
I'm laughing because so that I don't cry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, the amount of times I walk on set and like, you know, the lead actor is like, oh my gosh, I've worked with a female DP. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, that makes me so sad to hear you say that because yeah. there's so many talented DPs out there, talented women. Mm-hmm. And if I hear that, if I hear producers say that, I'm like, okay, guys. So just so you know, <laughs> there's a lot of groups out there. There's the I, I will actually say, like, there is the ICFC. It's a searchable database. Like, mm-hmm. you do not have an excuse. Like, there are mm-hmm. no excuses. Yeah. Um, And then if they're like, oh, you know, like, the, there's a one-up, like, I've never worked with a Latina DP. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of understand that because there's not as many of us as there are everybody else but like what it just bugs me even more to say like a female dp in general i'm just like no Mm -hmm. we're here you're just not trying hard enough like yeah yeah, because if you ask i don't know not trying to sound like a joke but like if you ask your friend who may or may not be like a guy like they're gonna refer their buddies like that's what people do you know um and Mm -hmm. so i'm always trying to kind of promote the ICFC when I can, because even if they don't want to hire me, like if I'm not right for the job, like I want them to know about the website and that there's, mm-hmm. there's what, like over 300 women on the website. Yeah. Like, over 300 people on that database. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no excuse. There really isn't. You should interview at least, I mean, not that it has to come down to gender. And there's also like not a thing anymore. Like it's all becoming very fluid and mm-hmm. I feel like that's just going to be completely changed. But anyways, um, it's, I just feel like there's just no excuse. Like, yeah, the fact that you've never worked with one or haven't interviewed one, you know, I think we put in a lot more work. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, sometimes I work with directors where they're just like, yeah, I didn't get to prep with my other DP on like my other project, you know, yeah. cause they were busy doing something else and they didn't get that time to bond or, figure out how they wanted to tell the story. They just kind of showed up and just like started shooting. And that's not everybody like that's specific folks. But, you know, I just feel like, yeah, like I said, there's really no excuse anymore because we're out there and everybody's really talented. And there is, I don't know, you just need what? One eyeball and a lot of heart to be a cinematographer. And it doesn't really matter how you identify, but, you know, I like that. One eyeball oh, and a lot of heart. Yes. I would just say that. We should put, the t-shirt, put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I got, I got two eyeballs. But anyway, sorry. Let's just not talk about that. Uh, um, I mean, you just need heart. Like, you just, mm-hmm. I think none of us do this because we have to do it because we love it. Honestly, yeah. like, we, it takes up so much time, so much of our lives. Like, mm-hmm. if we don't love what we're doing, why are we here? Like, go do something else because there's a lot of people who who really want to do that and they yeah. want it a lot more than you do so no that's awesome that's a great uh, way to to end this conversation um so maricela where can we find you on uh the internet on the internet <laughs> uh so yes you can find me at my website it's www.maricela.com spelled m a r i s c e l a uh, I'm also on Instagram. It's at Maricela, spelled the same. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Or you can send me an email. I'm at dp 
at maricela.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you, Maricela. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. so fun she was really really easy to talk to and i feel like so down to earth and just got so much like energy and like so bubbly i really feel that like a lot of times like dps have this like impression of like being cool and pretentious and very serious you know like really refreshing to like find someone who's just like a real person (laughs) a real person i just love her positivity um i mean i think i think it's really easy to get really jaded in this business and uh i'm sometimes i'm one of those people (laughs) (laughs) i'm so cynical like all my friends are always like i can't believe you still do this you are so cynical (laughs) yeah i mean it's just there's we deal with a lot of rejection we deal with a lot of um challenges and it's always as I think what he said I said it's an uphill battle for a lot of our careers so I, I think it's really easy to just lean into the like jadedness of it all <laughs> and I think uh to just have her come in with such good energy is, is such a refreshing thing I think and yeah and good. And I, you know what I really took away from this conversation I loved what she talked about um to like how we measure success, you know, yes. it's like inch by inch, like mm-hmm. every step forward is something that is, you know, like positive is something, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I, you know, my feature is at Sundance mm-hmm. this year, or, you know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I got a, you know, I got an Apple episodic show. Like that's not yeah. you know, the end goal. It's like, hey, I like got to have coffee with someone I really admire and got to talk to them for an hour and, that's great, right? Yeah. Or I recut my reel today, and mm-hmm. I went to a network a networking event and mm-hmm. met a lot of cool people. You know, like those are all successes that we should yeah. appreciate. Yeah, it's the like the little everyday win. I think that we just need to remember we're achieving all the time. And uh, yeah, I, and I also just really love her like take on dealing with rejection in general. You know, it's like okay, mm-hmm. well, I didn't get this project and it's not like ah oh, screw that you know i'm never gonna whatever you know whatever you feel I'm trying to get rejected yeah. like all these negative feelings that come up but being like okay i you know i'm not going to take this personally um maybe i wasn't the best fit for this project for and that could be for many different reasons and it's not anything to do with you as a human necessarily that doesn't say anything about you it just means like it's kind of like dating you know like sometimes you're just not meant for people and um as she said you're not meant for a project yeah Yeah. it's hard because so much of our work is creative right Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when you get rejected for a creative aspect of your life it's it cuts harder you know yeah Yeah. I, i do think that what she says is right that like sometimes something is not meant for you Something is meant for other people, you Mm -hmm. know, they are going to do it better. And to be very, very honest, like there have been things that I have shot that I actually maybe knew that like this wasn't, I don't know if I should say this. This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's being honest. Like, you know, it's like this was not, shouldn't have been for me. There might have been somebody who cared about this 
more right mm-hmm. and not to say that like I take projects on that I don't care I obviously yeah. I care about all my projects but yeah. sometimes there are people or like such circumstances that you're in that you're like maybe this is not wasn't in hindsight wasn't yeah. supposed to be really for me because yeah. you don't you know connect or something happens on set you know or somebody mm-hmm. that you're working with that isn't right you know yeah. so you know that makes sense to me yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that also taking that like, oh, this wasn't meant for me and going further and being like, OK, just because this wasn't meant for me doesn't mean that there is not the possibility of a future working relationship with any of the people in that room, you know, and following up with them and being like if there's someone that you connected with. Right. Uh, doing that follow up that she does. And I think that's actually really good insight and really good advice. Absolutely. And I totally believe that 100% that that's yeah. across the board. Like, even if it's a bad interview, like, mm-hmm. you don't know who was in that room, you know, yeah. and five years from now, like they remember you because yeah. you had something very specific that was in line with how they thought about the project or something, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll, they'll call back to that, you know, and yeah, might get a job from that. Or like, you know, this industry is so weirdly connected that you yeah. don't even know who knows who you yes. know like yes. that's like the best thing is that sometimes you're talking to somebody and like oh we actually have all these people in common and you know you might get a job that way yeah 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 um it's smaller and bigger than one thinks i think is the way to the way to put it and also yeah i think going back to uh, some of the things we discussed previously, it, it goes back to that asterisk. Like you never know where your next meal is coming from, right? So like throw the seeds, all the seed, plant all the seeds you need to plant wherever you need to plant them. You never know what's actually going to grow into something, you know, and yield something down the road. Yeah, that's totally true. My best friend and I, we have this saying, he's a fashion photographer, mm-hmm. but um, we have this saying that you're only as good as your last project. Yes, and- you know, and, and it's really because like you're feeding off of the momentum of that, but also mm-hmm. you're trying to build off of, you know, everything that you've learned. And like, that's mm-hmm. how you reset yourself, you know, and like yeah. to get better by that. Yeah. And I think that's something that my said as well, you know, just like she she's admitting she's like, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, I've taken what I've learned from those mistakes and, you know, become better because of that. And like, yeah, it's it's that just we're all going to make mistakes taking them and learning from them and being better on the next job. We should start asking people. We'd be like, let's tell us your worst story. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, seriously. Like, what is the worst thing you've done? What is the biggest, <laughs> biggest snafu? You know, like nobody ever wants to talk about that. It's like, mm, yeah. learn, we, we hide it under the rug and like that never happened. Mm, <laughs> no. no, no, no. Mm, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. Please follow us on Instagram at the ICFC. You can also reach us by writing to ICFCpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Emilia Mendieta Cordova, Fabian Hausepian, Akina Vandevelde, Senda Bonet, and Barbie Lung. 